Hey guys. So far, we've had some great feedback for our fundraising with the limited run merch sale. We've covered about a third of our hosting fees for the upcoming year, but there's still time to support the show. We wanted to let you guys know that this is the last chance to buy your merch. We originally said it would be done August 2nd, but that was our mistake. So the last possible day to get a mug or a shirt with the Chemistry for Your Life logo is on Saturday, August 1st. Be sure to get your orders in. Thank you so much for being excited about these products with us. We've had so much fun hearing from you guys talking about what you like and how excited you are. We just love you guys and we cannot do the show without you. To check out our store, go to bonfire.com slash store slash chem for your life. That's chem, F-O-R, your life. You can also just tap the link down in our show notes on our website or on our, in our social media bios and posts. And like Melissa said, the last day is Saturday, August 1st at 11.59 p.m. Get those orders in. And now on to the show. Hey, I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast is up to understand the chemistry of your everyday life. Okay, Jam, I'm so excited. For what? Today, <laughs> for talking about chemistry. Oh, okay. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> so today we're going to be doing things a little bit differently. Okay. I just looked into information about what is going on right now with mosquito repellents in the chemistry research world. Oh, nice. And this is actually a suggestion from Nikki in um, a listener who wrote it and said she'd like to hear me just talk about what cool research our scientists doing right now. So I took that idea and applied it to the mosquito repellent situation. Okay. Sweet. So I just picked a few that I thought were interesting and kind of different and that jumped out to me. I'm sure there's a lot more that's going on. These are just ones that I liked. Okay. So if you're a chemist or if you know someone who is working on this stuff and you want to send me their paper, I can talk about those in Q&Rs in the future or whatever. I just picked ones I liked. Nice. So these are potentially like in testing kind of stuff, things that aren't like being employed out in the world quite yet, but but people are working pretty hard on. Yes. All this research has happened between 2015 and 2020. Nice. So it's pretty recent. Only one of the studies was 2015. The others were 2018 and 2019, 2020 range. So nice. Wow. Pretty recent stuff. And yeah, I'm just going to jump right in. Perfect. Let's do it. Okay. So we talked about briefly in the last episode how there are some different approaches to research. And one is sort of the brute force approach where you just design a lot of different things and you kind of hope that it works. Mm -hmm. Similar to the screening thousands of molecules to determine if they're going to repel mosquitoes or not. Right. And then we also talked about dismantling the system that you're trying to work in and figuring out if, okay, if this is how this works, then what if we try this to make it work differently? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I, I personally have experienced both of those research approaches. And I thought this first study was interesting because it did a little bit of both. So this study was regarding, it's really a series of studies. I would say it's this, this one lab, their whole goal 
is to learn more about mosquito repellents. It's a chemistry lab uh-huh. and they're working on spatial repellents. So these keep mosquitoes out of a space rather than uh, what you spray on you. Nice. I would love that. Mm-hmm. So it's like lighting a citronella candle. That's a spatial repellent mm-hmm. or those fans that put stuff in the air. Those are spatial repellents. Mm-hmm. So his group started and it seemed he was almost telling a story. I got to watch an interview with a man who sort of runs this research, which was really fun. <laughs> and he talked about how his group started by looking at things that were commonly known as being mosquito repellents, stuff that lore or throughout history or indigenous people use to repel mosquitoes. They investigated a lot of those and tried to figure out which ones even were mosquito repellent and which ones weren't. So which ones were kind of myths and which ones actually did repel mosquitoes. Uh-huh. And then they dug into what molecules are present in those, whatever they were, those natural things that repelled mosquitoes. And they found that there was this type of molecule, terpenoids, I think is what it was, that seemed to be consistent through a lot of them. Mm-hmm. So then that they took that and they're working on making what's known as derivatives. So things that are similar to are based on those natural repellents, mm-hmm. but making them longer lasting. So it would almost be if you found some, I feel that this is maybe easier for people to understand, but say you found natural vanilla and it tasted really good, but it was really expensive to make or it didn't have a long lasting taste. Mm-hmm. So they tweak it a little bit molecularly mm-hmm. and see if they can make it last longer, taste better, enhance it somehow. Okay. That would be the equivalent. I think synthetic vanilla is easy to make, so they don't really do that. But I think that's a molecule that people can wrap their mind around because they've tasted it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they basically do the same thing with these mosquito repellents. They find the natural products They're lacking sometimes in some ways or whatever. So they're synthetically tweaking them. Mm -hmm. They're making things that are similar, that are based on them, that are hopefully more potent or longer lasting or have enhanced capabilities Uh for both spatial and they're working on some topical, but I think they're focusing on the spatial repellents. And they've actually had some pretty good results. There was a lot of hype around this in... 2018 at the big meeting of the American Chemical Society. Uh And he did some testing where he had filter paper on one end that had the repellent on it. And on the other end, it didn't. And they put mosquitoes in there and sort of watched where they went. It was really cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that seems to be a good possibility of something that is going to come out on the market in the next few years. That study, the biggest study on this, the most recent one where all the hype was came out in 2018. But I think they've been working on that for a long time. Mm -hmm. And they basically, their goal, what he said pretty succinctly is they're trying to make a new class of mosquito repellents based on these natural products. Wow. Dude, that would be awesome. That's great news. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. That kind of gives insight into how research happens because it's usually very incremental and slow and you have to break things down and then try new things and you're going to try a lot of things and some of them will work, some of them won't. And then 
after so long that this group has been investing in this, there's kind of starting to be a payoff where they're seeing that this is maybe going to work. And it's cool to, to see that there's some truth to some of the long held, um, like passed down solutions to keeping mosquitoes away. Obviously not all of them, but like they're able to find some common thread to those. Yeah. To enhance it. That's pretty cool. It's like, okay, there was something there. It wasn't some sort of natural repellent, at least a little bit in this plant or in this thing that, that people used for a long time. It's kind of cool that the humans mm-hmm. were able to f- figure that out and then it helped scientists later. Well, I'm glad you said that because the second study that I picked is really honed in on that mm. idea. And I think sometimes when maybe in the lower levels of science, there's a lot of this attitude that science is right and all this other stuff is you know, a little woohoo or not really right. Mm -hmm. You know, some people will just dismiss essential oils or dismiss things, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think there is some truth to that kind of natural medicine and stuff. I don't, it's not a hundred percent, but sometimes like we talked about last week, the science can kind of figure it out later. Right. So another study that I really liked was a chemist at the department of agriculture learned that there were indigenous groups in North America who were using sweetgrass to protect against mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. They would braid sweetgrass and wear it under their clothes or whatever. And it was really aromatic, Mm -hmm. but also seemed to keep the bugs away. And so he extracted the oils from sweetgrass Mm -hmm. and tested the oil and some other things and try to determine which components were mosquito repellent. So the sweetgrass oil was the most mosquito repellent. Mm -hmm. He found two types of molecules in the sweetgrass that were already being used in some mosquito repellents. So he didn't find anything novel, which is kind of a bummer, but he was able to ground that belief in science. So Mm -hmm. he already knew that this was working to repel mosquitoes. And and here's the science that we also know (laughs) is kind of cool. (laughs) That is cool. Especially because like, with a lot of things, I, I don't know a ton about this, but a lot of things, there's like always that level of possibility with the uh, placebo effect, which is what they say for mm-hmm. like a lot of things that maybe aren't scientifically proven and maybe can't be, but they work not because they actually work, but because we're convinced that they will. But what's interesting mm-hmm. about, so like that's like one of the things people say a lot about essential oils. Like it's hard to tell because maybe they do work for some people because of, of, Placebo effect. That's obviously a topic for another day. But what's funny to me about this is that with mosquito repellents, there's not really room for that uh, placebo effect because the mosquitoes are either going to come and like bite the heck out of you, or they're not going to, or they're going (laughs) to noticeably bite you less. So it's like their mosquitoes don't care about that. They're not placeboed. They're not. (laughs) They're not going to be thwarted by that. It's like it's going to be obvious, I guess, whether something works or not when it comes to mosquitoes. Unless you think it's working because you're just naturally someone who has less carbon dioxide or whatever. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like... You could trick other people. You're you're thinking, this works really well for me, but really it's just that you don't have as high of a metabolism. Right. That's true. So that in that case, it'd be like something that works for you might not work for the other person because it's not really that right. it's working. But... Right, right. But like in these kind of tests where it's like, let's take this grass and let's... Hopefully they're not just doing it on one person and see if it works or not but yeah it's been really it was really interesting to find some of those and to appreciate that the things that have been passed down are 
I just think they're worthwhile. Some, mm-hmm. Sometimes I think some people just like poo poo it away and, yeah. and that's not always true. Yeah. And sometimes maybe our science hasn't even caught up to things that natural medicines and stuff already know. Mm-hmm. But I also really, really trust science just for the record. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's important to be open-minded. Now, biologists are doing wild things. And I was only going to focus on chemistry in this episode, but I got pretty excited about this one thing. So I'll just briefly mention it okay. and then I'll tell you what my favorite other study was and we can wrap up. Okay, sweet. So this one microbiologist, he works at a university, I think in Minnesota or Michigan, one of those M states. They treated female mosquitoes on two islands in China with a low dose of radiation to render them basically incapable of procreating. Mm -hmm. And they wiped out almost the entire mosquito population on these two islands. Oh my gosh. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Yeah. I think, I feel like I've heard something about this on a, on a radio lab. Um, unless it was a different podcast, but something about like fiddling with the, um, that is that we're messing with the reproductive elements of mosquitoes in a place that was causing a lot of disease transmission or something. Is that, is that the same one or do you know if that was the same? I don't actually know, but so this researcher also had previously done another study. So it looks like he either renders them completely incapable of reproducing, just sterilizes them Mm -hmm. or he makes the men and the women mosquitoes incompatible by releasing it sounded like a bacteria that Mm -hmm. basically made them not compatible to mate Mm -hmm. and both of those methods were successful although doing the sterilizing with the bacteria seemed to be the most successful okay which is amazing to me that they could interrupt the cycle of reproduction and just wipe out this population yeah that's so, so, so cool. It's crazy too to think about like, okay, then what are the, obviously there's some benefits that are really obvious to a lot of us, but like what are the potential downsides of wiping out yes. a, a population of any, you know, insect or animal or whatever? That is exactly what I thought. I yeah. wondered what that would do to the ecosystem and what other things it would bring to the forefront. And also wondered if those other things it brings to the forefront, if you wipe out mosquitoes, are those deadly or are they just pests? So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. would that be worth it? You know, ecosystems are just so fragile, but I don't know a ton about that, but I thought it was crazy cool. And it seemed like a theme was you kind of have the option of repelling mosquito from humans or from a space or interrupting the reproductive cycle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm, so I'm about 90, 95% sure that something really similar was in a radio lab. So I'm like very little doubt there. And in that one, at least they, I know that they like did some sort of ecological study to see in that area. Like where are the mosquitoes? The main source of food for like, any other insects or anything in that area. And they're able to determine that it was like a pretty minimal risk to wipe them out there. But that, that might not be the case everywhere. But I remember that being like a big part of that one episode of Radio Lab. That's exciting. We should find that and link to it. Totally. We've, there's been like some major Radio Lab love lately. I feel like a few episodes we've we referenced it in a few lately. Well, Radio Lab was the first podcast that I ever listened to. Me too. And you know how I feel about science communication. So, Wait, how, sorry. How do you how do you feel about <laughs> science communication? 
Positive, very in favor. Okay, nice. Like a soft thumbs up kind of thing. Soft, yeah. I mean, leave it for somebody else. Yeah, moderate to... <laughs> okay, sorry. <laughs> you said there's, okay. the, there's Oh, this. okay, yes. So, love you, Radio Lab. Okay, so my favorite, favorite, favorite paper that I found, I, I was sitting on my couch with my roommates and my boyfriend and I was... I said, oh, this is so exciting. And then they asked me what it was. And I said, nothing. You have to listen to the episode. Nice. Good move. Good move. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so do you remember <laughs> a long time ago we talked about earth, earthy rain smell? Yes. Uh, the petrichor. Petrichor. And do you remember the other thing? I don't. I only remember that one because it's also the name of the smell. Like they named the smell after that mm -hmm. chemical. So geosmin. Oh yeah. Dang it. Like Jasmine's thing. Is that molecule that we are very sensitive to. Uh-huh. They talked about if there's maybe a teaspoon, I think, in the in an Olympic sized swimming pool, we can smell it. Mm-hmm. Gosh. That's crazy. Well, guess what? What? We're not the only ones who can smell that smell so sensitively. Oh, interesting. Mosquitoes also are very sensitive to the smell of geosmin. No way. Because they want to lay their eggs in, a, in an environment that likely has all the things that it needs. And geosmin seems to be an indicator that that is a good environment to lay their eggs. So mosquitoes preferentially lay their eggs when they can detect geosmin. Uh-huh. So in Sweden, it was a uh, in Lund, University of Lund, I think, Lund mm -hmm. University in Sweden, they figured out that they could use geosmin, mm -hmm. rain smell, for bait and kill traps. So they lure the female mosquitoes. They lay their eggs there in a mechanism that then can kill the eggs, trap the eggs and larvae and kill it. Whoa. So it doesn't kill the mosquito, but it mm -hmm. makes it to where their reproductive cycle is essentially cut off. Right. Or at least like, like they're capturing a percentage of female mosquitoes' eggs. So it's like just probably making a serious dent in the population of that area or whatever. Exactly. Ah. But then they realize that it's pretty pricey to get or make geosmin. We call some, some chemicals are expensive to make, meaning they cost a lot of time and energy mm -hmm. rather than just that they literally cost a lot of money. So geosmin is expensive, hard to get your hands on, hard to make, not a good, easy to mass produce from what I can mm -hmm. tell. I personally have never tried. That's just what I picked up on from this article. Yeah. So then they tested to see if they could use beetroot peels as a source of geosmin because it's present in that earthy smell. And it worked. They could use beetroot peels to make the same bait and kill traps for the females' eggs. No way. So it's just right there in the, beet, in the beet peels or whatever. 
Yes. And that article was 2019, 2020. Very, uh-huh. very recent. So that was very exciting to me. <laughs> That's awesome. So it's just an appeal. So that means that like the people of Sweden need to be eating a lot more beets so that there can be a lot of peel or something. It said beetroot, which... Oh, just in their whole what, root. Okay. I don't know anything about beetroot. Beets are or a root. Peels. That That's what I thought, but it said beetroot yeah. specifically. So I don't know if huh. there's like a part of it. I don't know. Anyway... I probably should have looked into that, but I was very excited and awesome. that just seems like such a easy, natural solution that mm-hmm. could really make a dent in the population rather than just something that keeps mosquitoes away from us. Right, right. Yeah, that's crazy. It seems like there could be an element of like, if you could have some, several of these things as solutions in a lot of parts of the world then maybe they would, you get the best of everything. It's like, yeah, let's not totally eliminate this insect, but let's severely curb its rate of reproduction. And let's right. have a really good, hopefully, really good way of just keeping the ones that then are alive away from people, especially in places where they could, you know, really spread diseases to a lot of people. And then maybe be like the perfect combo. So we're not totally killing it, but we're curbing it and we're keeping it away from people would be awesome, which seems like very, very possible now. Yeah. And it was just interesting as I studied this to realize how many angles we're coming at this from. So there's biologists that are working on figuring out how and why they detect humans and what initiates biting and feeding. And there's chemists working on what chemicals are working to keep them away and, and how can we modify those chemicals to be more effective and, what is already existing that's working really well. And then there's biologists who are working on biologists and chemists who are working on just wiping out the population altogether in different methods. And a lot of times we talk about research is often a lot of people finding one piece of a puzzle. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm, there's mm -hmm. people all over the world working on the same puzzle, finding one piece at a time and slowly you can build up to have made something and to Mm -hmm. have done something. And I think this is a really good look at that of all these people working towards a goal from all these different angles. Uh And it's a very complicated system, a complicated problem that's important because lots of people die every year from this. Mm -hmm. And they're all working together to make something new, a new thing that that really works to keep mosquitoes at bay or several things that work together. So I think that's just, this was fun because I think it gives a good insight into what scientific research is really like. That reminds me a lot of that classic analogy of the elephant um, where it's like you get, I don't think I know. You probably do. I think, I mean, people use it for a lot of different scenarios. It's pretty malleable, but um, it's like you have six people who all have their, eyes closed and they all are feeling different parts of an elephant. And if you, if they each described like what they're feeling, like say one person has a trunk and one person has the tail and person has a leg, one person has the back, they, they might be describing it in ways that like don't very obviously connect quite yet. But mm-hmm. the more they find out about what they're, what they're touching, I, mean, I could be butchering this. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but the more they find <laughs> out about what they're touching, the, then eventually, if they put their pieces together, they can have a much better picture of what they're actually um, 
what they're actually handling there and then learn from each other's experiences. But if you're just like, oh, it's, oh, it's really smooth. And you're like, like you're touching the tusk of the elephant and the other guy's like, oh, it's very like rough. And oh, it's really (laughs) slimy or I don't know. Just like, yeah, I was thinking it's really gray, but I guess you can't see color with your eyes closed. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. One one guy's like, it's so dark. And like, uh, yeah, that's because we blindfolded you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a really good representation of what scientific research is like in even just kind of sometimes stumbling around with your eyes blindfolded. It's, Mm -hmm. it just isn't always perfectly clear what is, is going on. Mm -hmm. So that's, those are the ones that I thought were fun. There's definitely a lot more stuff out there. If any of you guys have other things that you think are interesting and fun to share, We've gotten so many questions about mosquitoes that they're definitely going to come back up on the Q&R. So that's just kind of what I picked out. Mm -hmm. Um, So Jam, do you want to just kind of give some of your main takeaways? There's not really a lesson in this as much as I just reviewed some literature for you, which is is kind of different. Yeah, I think that's a good idea, kind of like we did with helium, where I just sort of say some things that stuck out to me. Um, I kind of did a little bit, I guess I jumped the gun talking about how in a perfect world, maybe you could combine some of these different elements, uh, to not totally kill all the mosquitoes, but also keep people safe and less annoyed. But I think that's one takeaway is that maybe none of these new findings are going to be the solution for ever and like the ultimate solution, but they might all contribute to a shared, better future to fight mosquitoes in combination with each other. Also, just, I think, pretty interesting to me to see how many different ways you can approach a problem. Um, this is a, such a good example of that because you could just look for something that kills them and find a way to do that. You could look for a, a thing that, that turns off their receptor, like we talked about with DEET, turns off their ability mm-hmm. to really smell other things. Um, mm-hmm. in some way you could s- look for something they really like that draws them to another place like the geosmin you might still mm-hmm. you might end up you know killing them or their eggs or whatever but that's a totally different thing now we're looking for something that they really like instead of something that they don't like or, or instead of something that just turns off their nose um, right and then the the side of things like genetic adjustments or introducing bacteria to them to make to disrupt their mating or whatever. There's just so many ways. That's an amazing, like this alone, mosquitoes seems like a great case study for the average person just to get an understanding of how many ways there are to approach a problem. And then even just the, why don't we look at old school, handed down ways of avoiding mosquitoes and see what, what elements there might be there that could help us create a stronger version of that that I guess could still be in the vein of turning off receptors or just being something that mosquitoes don't like. But I just feel like there's so many ways to do it. So it's so such a good thing that there are a lot of scientists working in different areas mm-hmm. instead of just like one mosquito team having to really test out all of these things. That yeah. seems to me like it would take so long um, for us to get anywhere. And so it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm really... This is really amazing to me. It's really cool to learn about. 
I'm so glad. Yay, scientific research. And I think this is a perfect topic for it because people really care about mosquitoes. Like they, I think you could show some of the same principles of science and the scientific method and testing things and trying things out on a totally different topic that people might just care way less about because it would would feel like like it just doesn't really apply to them. Um, Mm -hmm. Like are other ways that we can generate, you know, different dyes that are cheaper that um, are still as vibrant or whatever. People will be like, all right, I'm out. Sorry. But mosquitoes, people are like, I'm invested in this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I can't tell you. We got a lot of people commenting when the question was, why do mosquitoes bite me more than everyone else? Uh So many people were commenting, oh yeah, that's me. (laughs) I'm the one. I've got to listen and find out why. (laughs) So You know why it is, right? That's probably true. Um, For a number of factors that we discussed in a whole long episode? No, it's because we all literally have skin in the game oh no Uh, well i'm glad that you enjoyed it (laughs) moving right along i'm glad that you enjoyed this topic i think that that was really well put that it's a good way to look at what scientific research is like and why it's important to have a scientific research and lots of different people looking at things and thinking about things and different approaches it's i think this was a, a fun way to look at at what's going on but i'm sure some of you are tired of hearing about mosquitoes so we're gonna lay this back down for a while (laughs) pick it back up on the q and r but i think this wraps up our mosquito series this is really enjoyable for me thank you guys so much for writing in and asking questions it's been awesome yeah thanks for letting us try a longer series we've done like two parters but that's pretty pretty much it i think we Mm -hmm. did i guess three episodes that are kind of related about stickiness but they were really different so i feel like this is our first longer series i mean that'd be four episodes it's almost a month's worth of mosquito talk so thanks for letting (laughs) us try this yeah i hope i hope you guys aren't tired of it yet but there's so much interesting stuff to look at (laughs) i thought it was going to be a two-part series so it just ran away with me anyway (laughs) shifting into sharing about our week normally i i check in with you and see how you're doing but i'm so excited that i am going to go first Again, second week in a row. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's two weeks in a row. I had one final push that I really needed to do to get my proposal for my big exam ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I decided on Wednesday, so that was two days ago, that it had to be done that day. I I couldn't wait any longer. And I needed to get it scheduled and have some deadlines coming up. So I took some study tips from listener Shale. Oh, Yeah friend of the show. She has friend of the show, Shayel. She has on her Instagram stories, study tips. And, you know, I guess I, I've just been a student for a really long time. I haven't really refreshed my study tips in a while. Mm-hmm. So she had her, her tasks scheduled out and has this big chalkboard where she writes everything down. And just outside my office, there's a big whiteboard that no one uses. Mm-hmm. And I went and just planned out my whole day everything that needed to be done in 20 minute increments. And I was not going to leave work until I got it done. And I did it and it's done. I sent it to my advisor. There's, there's some things that I need help with that I can't do that. I just basically need guidance from an expert, Mm -hmm. but she gave it the green light and I scheduled my proposal, the defense date. Mm -hmm. And 
it's happening in about a week and a half. And then I will be done with this chapter. And I'm nice. so excited. Dude, that's awesome. Congrats. So thank you. Thank you. It's a very um, relieving feeling to send that off. And now I have to put together my presentation and be ready to defend it in about a week and a half. But I, I have worked on this. I designed the whole study. So mm-hmm. I feel like that part will be okay. But I am. I'm not good at motivating myself to write. So the biggest hurdle I feel has passed. Wow. That's awesome. Dang, that was feel great. Like such a relief. I can see the finish line. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. So that's my very, very, very exciting thing. What do you have going on this week? Not a ton, but one definite highlight was that this past weekend we got to see my mom and take our little one over to where my mom was about three hours away. And we just were able to determine, it seems like it was safe to do just to go see her for the weekend. And we felt like we could do that safely. And also hadn't seen her in like a few weeks now. And I guess almost a month actually. And yeah. And we were like, well, it'd also be good to get a, a test of traveling with the baby. So right, why not do it? It would be a short trip. And if it really goes horribly, then we weren't somewhere for like a long time and actually it went really great. It was not like crazy to travel with him. We had to take breaks and stuff, but it was really, it was really great. And he slept fine. We obviously couldn't take like all of our gear, you know, every single thing from our house. And we had the dogs with us too. So it was like, we had to really be minimal about what we took, but it it all went great. And most importantly, we got to see my mom and uh, she got to see the baby. So. That was very, very cool. And it was a good weekend. Yeah. It feels kind of novel now to talk about a weekend getting out of the house. That seems yeah. really new to talk about. Like normally I might not think that would be my, it'd be a highlight for sure, but it wouldn't seem quite as, carry as much weight as it does now because we are just home all the time. So just getting to leave at oh, all definitely. Is, is such a big deal. But yeah, that was, it was a really good weekend. That's really hard because... Normally when you have a new baby, everyone's there, (laughs) you know, people Mm -hmm. come and take care of the baby and clean and do this and do that. And grandmas can even stay Mm -hmm. in the guest room for weeks at a time, you know, and usually the whole community comes together to chip in. But right now everyone's trying to be so safe and careful and socially distanced. And so I'm sure that was kind of a nice relief to get some extra helping hands and to see for grandma to get to see the baby and all of that. Yep. This is pretty exciting. So that that sounds like a really nice time. It definitely Yay. was. So, so fun to get to hear about how life as a parent is going for you. Our uh, listener, Jeffrey, wrote in a little message and welcome jam to the fatherhood club. Oh, yeah, that's right. And he has, I think, <laughs> like a 15 fun. month old, maybe I can't, if I remember, remember correctly. So. Yeah, he's just barely ahead of you in the game. (laughs) Yeah, Um, (laughs) enough ahead to be in a totally different phase, but also probably really sympathize with with where I'm at. So exactly, (laughs) I think I'm among some good good company um, in the dad world. So thank you, Jeff, for the encouragement. Well, thank you guys all so much for listening and for letting me talk about mosquitoes for a month and just being willing to learn and excited and messaging us and asking questions. That is so, so fun. And I love hearing from you guys. And I know Jam does too. Yes. And thank you so much for teaching us and undertaking a four lesson series to teach us about mosquitoes and many, the many things related to it. Um, 
Melissa and I have a lot of ideas for topics of chemistry in everyday life, but we want to hear from you. So if you have questions or ideas, you can reach out to us on Gmail, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Chem for Your Life. That's Chem, F-O-R, Your Life, to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, check out our temporary, limited-time merch store at bonfire.com slash store slash chem for your life and pick up some merch. And if you aren't able to do that, you can help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and rating and writing a review on Apple Podcasts. That also helps us to be able to share chemistry with even more people. This episode of Chemistry for Your Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. References for this episode can be found in our show notes or on our website. Jam Robinson is our producer, and we'd like to give a special thanks to A. Kiwasong and V. Garza, who reviewed this episode.